for 12 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. It's the 9 o'clock hour of Rosie on the House. Our on the house hour. We've been talking about something on your home, castle, or cabin. If you will follow along in our home maintenance calendar, you can see we've got uh, pets and wildlife is a topic for September. You can get your home maintenance calendar by just letting us know where you would like us to send it to. Email us at infoatrosieonthehouse.com. We'll add you to our mailing list if you're not already. And we actually are just went to print with our 2022 calendar, and we'll be sending those out here shortly. We got a request this week to send the uh, to send a calendar to Akron, Ohio. I love it. Glad to hear it. Don't Home know the that zips. <laughs> don't know that a lot of our landscape and gardening talking points are going to line up, but there's a lot of similar things in the home uh, that will. So doesn't matter where you live. We'll include you on the mailing list. A lot of you listeners are always curious about how we come up with the topics. And it's generally from feedback from y'all, questions and inquiries we get all week long at the office and on the internet. And we knew pets were going to be a focus in this particular month. And Jennifer was walking in the neighborhood recently and uh, actually had to chase a bobcat out of the neighbor's yard. And our dogs were in the backyard barking their heads off. And I thought, there must be somebody back there. That, 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 in that wash, in that alley, this time of night, that's, that's a troublemaker. So I went out with my, you know, full force aggressive attitude on in a light and was face-to-face with about eight javelina. <laughs> and, and the man, everybody was having a fit. And then the other morning, I'm down on my hands and knees in the vegetable garden and I spot my first cantaloupe on the cantaloupe vine I have growing vertical. So I reach in there and I lift the leaf to observe this cantaloupe and I'm face to face with a four foot snake. Now I don't know who jumped higher, me or the snake because I didn't stick around. I didn't stick around long enough. But when I'm looking for cantaloupe and I lift a leaf and all I see is this big viper-shaped face staring me, I think, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get somebody from Arizona Game and Fish and let's talk about uh, wildlife encounters in your backyard. So I have enough friends at Arizona Game and Fish. I said I want the best person on the entire state staff to talk about this. And everybody directed me to Amy Burnett, who's joining us this morning. Miss Amy, thank you so much for coming on Roselle Now. So let's talk about what, Good morning. what kind of phone calls are y'all getting at the department about wildlife encounters? I've seen some horrifying headlines of actual injuries and hospitalizations and dogs being rushed to uh, emergency vet facilities. What are y'all dealing with right now? 
You know, we get all types. You'd be surprised. I get the emails of all the incidents that come through, and um, I mean, some of them are hilarious. Some of them would make good late-night TV, and some of them are downright scary, and some of them are tragic. You know, whether it's a, you know someone's dog or cat, or someone that has a really you know scary experience. We uh, we take everything, we listen, and we you know give advice. And mostly, what I like to do is is tell people why things are there. There's always a reason. So you know, Rosie, you're talking about finding a snake in your backyard or seeing some javelinas, uh, at, you know, around your neighborhood. There's always a reason animals are there. It's not a coincidence when someone throws something on Facebook saying, I can't believe I saw a bobcat in my backyard. They might not be able to believe it. But I can <laughs> take one look at that backyard and say, well, here's why it's there. There's always a reason. So, yeah, maybe we can answer some questions for people today and talk about what people can do to stay safe. If y'all have a question that you'd like to ask, Amy, feel free to give us a ring at one 888 Seven six seven, forty three forty eight, and uh, my wife, sweet Jennifer, will pick up the line, and we'll find out where you're calling from and what your wildlife encounter is. You know, uh, we get a lot of questions about uh, birds of prey at this time of year. We we see a lot of hawks moving in. We we had six Harris hawks move in our backyard, uh, and now they've actually moved a half a block away, and they're living in someone else's backyard. But but Amy, what are y'all? What and and you know, I'd I'd like to just before you answer that, I'd like to give a little tip of the hat to the game and fish department listeners. Do y'all realize that our Arizona game and fish department manages over eight hundred species of wildlife in the state of Arizona? We have such a diverse terrain and habitat and broad spectrum of species um it that's a big job amy i just hats off to the department for as great a job as y'all do well on behalf of the department thank you very much and i just have to say you know i it's a it's an honor to work with such talented individuals i mean you you don't see them um you know they're behind desks right now we're a lot of us are behind desks at home but the subject matter experts expertise that is within the department it's just amazing i mean there's you've got experts in all different subjects so you know when i have a question about a specific animal that you know that i can't answer i go right to them and and it's it's a it's like having the best encyclopedia but in person it's it's pretty amazing and they do a lot with so little and most of our and speaking of you know so they're wildlife experts in their subjects and biologists and then we have these wildlife managers and some of them have Actually, a lot of them have hundreds of square miles of territory to cover. Oh, so yeah. if one does, isn't able to respond to your neighborhood, it's because we really do a lot with a very small staff. So um, we, I have to give some, uh, some kudos to our wildlife managers. I mean to tell you, I, I, I don't know how many other game departments have to manage that wide a spectrum of species over the, all the different kinds of terrain that we here have in Arizona. Let's talk, Amy, a little bit about uh, Mrs. Jones. Uh, she's walking her spaniel uh, down the neighborhood and has a face-to-face encounter with maybe uh, four or five adult javelina that are maybe trailing three or four brand-new javelina. Um, I've had horrifying encounters with javelina in, in some of my hikes. Uh, what, what would this pedestrian with her terrier what would you tell her to do 
so with every animal that you encounter, there's going to be slightly, there's going to be a difference in how you react. So with javelina, one thing you should know about javelina is when they smell dog, they think coyote. They're not, they're not making the, the different, uh, they're not, um, uh, they are not uh, telling the two apart going, this, this smells like a spaniel, this smells like <laughs> a coyote. So okay. they, they smell dog. They think coyote, and then they react. So sometimes a woman gets, uh, um, this woman gets too close to a javelina, they could actually go on the defensive um, or offensive and actually charge. So, and another thing about javelinas, they have a really poor sense of, sm- of sight, great sense of smell, horrible sense of sight. So they may not realize how close she is, where exactly she is. They just smell her. So the best thing that Mrs. Jones should do is make herself really big, make a lot of noise, uh, and then just let them know that they that she is there. Don't be tiptoeing around. And then also, I if I if I've got a dog on a leash, I would definitely turn around and walk away. Don't run, and basically give them a really wide berth. Because if you walk towards them, you know they've got little reds, those babies that they're protecting. But even without babies, you know the coyote being the arch enemy of the javelinas, they're going to react to that dog, um, even more so than just a, just one person without a dog walking down the street. So with the coyote, is the coyote um, food to the javelina or vice versa? Coyote is one of the main predators of javelina. Okay, all right. Clear that so out. they think uh, coyote are gonna, that a coyote is going to take their babies. And even if they don't have babies at the time, we've seen it over and over that they can be aggressive towards people walking dogs. In fact, almost all of the incidences with um with people someone's been walking the dog when the incidents has occurred I another do a, thing that's yeah go ahead I, I do a lot of hiking through mcdowell mountain park all the way from sunrise peak all the way out to tom's thumb and pinnacle peak and it never ceases to amaze me in my hiking out there how many people have two earbuds in and are jogging down the trail uh I've and I always tell people look, if you do that, leave one earbud out. I, I had to stop a jogger the other day and say, "You may not hear it, but about another forty feet down the trail here, I just put a rattlesnake into that creosote bush over there." So, I mean, you're jogging along, you cannot hear the snake's natural warning, defensive signs. Uh, I'm surprised we don't see a lot more rattlesnake bites from the earbud jogging mountain runners well i want to say two things about that first a rattlesnake is you know who's sitting on the side of the trail waiting for prey to come by is not going to strike you because you're running by they don't need to waste their venom on you they're just so most people walk by lots of rattlesnakes and don't have any you know (laughs) any problems at all i don't make that probably doesn't make people feel better but that's the reality they know exactly how big you are they and they they know exactly how you know that you're not on their menu so they'll just kind of sit there and wait for you to go by so unless you step on a rattlesnake or step really close to it and it happens to be stretched out across the trail um, most people don't even notice when rattlesnakes are there so but the second thing about earbuds is that they've got these great things right now great earbuds there's different uh i don't want to say specific brands but because it probably because it would be illegal for me to do so but there's some earbuds that go right in front of your ear, and uh, they don't actually go inside the ear canal. 
Oh. I'm a trail runner, so I use those, and then I keep it at a low volume because, honestly, I'm more likely to get run over by a mountain biker um, who <laughs> yes, doesn't right. yes. see each other yes. than yes. I am to, to step on a rattlesnake. So I like to keep all of my senses open, but, you know, the earbuds now that um, that go in front of the ear and actually use oh, your um, The real earbuds. key is low volume because I do running a lot, uh, not necessarily on the trail, uh, but when I bike, I have it at just the right uh, volume. I can hear a car a block away approaching well, that's from the good. back. So, yeah, yeah, it's all about volume. Yeah. We're here yeah, this morning. Just, you know, just awareness. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're here this morning with Amy Burnett, Education mm-hmm. Information Coordinator for Arizona Game and Fish. If you've had a wildlife encounter, you'd like to uh, question Amy about what you should or shouldn't have done that time or what you should or shouldn't have done in the future, give us a ring at one 888 767-4348. When we get back, we'll talk coyotes, bats, bears, scorpions, and cacti. Talking wildlife encounters in your backyard, front yard, or in your neighborhood. With Amy Burnett from Arizona Game and Fish Department. I have to tell you, Amy, uh, this year, for the first time ever, after living here in the Valley since 1966, I considered building some bat habitat in my backyard. I understand a bat will eat a thousand mosquitoes a night. I thought, you know what? I need about 40 bats living in my backyard. <laughs> what, what, what's, the pro- what's, the, what's the probability of... Uh, attracting and and maintaining a bat habitat so it depends on where you live so some of your listeners right now you're maybe you're up in pine Payson, up on the rim um, flagstaff prescott go for it you know put up a bat house if you're down in the valley anywhere down where you and i are those bats really don't use bat houses and the reason is just because they would cook in there, and they know that. It's just those houses get really warm, and it's not the right um, – it's just not the right habitat for them. It's not the right microclimate, as we call it. So if you put up a bat house, chances are it's go- not going to be used. And a recent study found that bats really don't use okay. bat houses except uh, for a very, very small amount. Okay. So I would just um, – do what you do. If uh, and bats are going to be, if you have a pool, you might see bats coming down and taking a drink out of a, your pool, and you might see bats using your um, your patio, your front patio or entryway as a roosting site. So, it's one of those things where you know, just sort of cross your fingers, you might have them, and and they'll help you out. All right. And don't we have like thirteen different types of bat species in? Arizona, do I remember that right? Oh, it's more. It's more than that. I'm thinking it's close to. Oh gosh, thirty four. I, I think it's thirty. Snakes. Thirty. 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 Somewhere between wow. thirty. Thirty. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, I'm just happy um, they yeah, all like mosquitoes. So many. <laughs> we you have. Know, a... and you just they, and they love all the most of the bats in the Phoenix area are are bug eating. In, down in southern Arizona, we they have the ones that that drink nectar. Those don't generally, even though I have seen one in the North Phoenix area, but in general, all of our bats are um, are insect eaters, so uh, you're, they're helping us out. We had a texter send in a note at 411923, if that's your prefer, preferred method of communication with the live broadcast. 
411923 and says buying a home near Winkleman. And if you're not familiar with the state or where that is, um, if you take US 60 South as if you were going to Globe, I don't remember the name of that intersection. Pass right at Superior. You would turn south south and uh, Winkleman's over there. Fenced yard, part block, part chain link. What kind of animals might we anticipate out there? Holy cow. Boy, Amy, uh, he, could, he could see almost anything in Arizona you know, right there. Yeah, this is a, that's kind of wildlife heaven out there. I would expect to see you know, javelinas and coyotes. If you have a solid block wall, your javelinas aren't going to be able to get through. But coyotes, for sure, they can clear a six-foot fence, no problem whatsoever, even if it's a you know, block wall. So just, um, just kind of keep an eye out. You might want to consider rattlesnake proofing your yard. Um, and I say rattlesnake proofing because there are some snakes that climb, but those are the good snakes, right? <laughs> I think all snakes are good snakes, but you know, um, that's just me. Um, but you might want to consider that rattlesnake proofing because uh, then it gives you a little bit of peace of mind depending on how big your yard is. Um, you just don't want to have those snakes in your yard. You want to keep them out, keep them out front and keep them outside your walls. Well, we're certainly seeing our share of wildlife just in and about our neighborhood. Uh had had read some accounts of some wildlife encounters up in the Fountain Hills area. Our neighbor had a coyote come over a six-foot wall and mm-hmm. uh, tear her little terrier up to the point that little Buddy was wearing, I don't know, what did Buddy have, 40 or 50 stitches for, for quite a while. Yeah, and he is not a tiny dog. You know, I would, you, you might picture that happening to little chihuahuas and stuff, but this is a medium-sized dog, yeah, sturdy it, dog. And that, that coyote yeah, it, came right you know, it, over the block wall. And it's one of those things where I'm asked a lot by media, you know, is, is this happening more often? Are coyotes getting more aggressive? And it is starting to happen more often, but it's because we're letting it happen. So, you know, I was talking, I was kind of joke, joking, but half serious with, with you the other day about the fact that, you know, my job is to, you know, our job as game and fish employees is to, you know, manage, which is conserve and protect state's wildlife. But the reality, most of my job is, is managing people. Not wildlife. <laughs> you know, and, and it sounds funny, but the truth is I do it through education. You know, when someone sees it, if there's a coyote that's coming into people's backyards, there's a reason. We've allowed that coyote to feel comfortable in that neighborhood. And someone in your, your immediate neighborhood is probably feeding it. So it's almost always related. When we have issues with javelina, especially, and coyotes, there's someone is on, on your block is saying, you know what, that coyote looks too skinny. And oh, <laughs> Amy Burnett, Arizona Game and Fish Education and Information Coordinator. Can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your wisdom on how Arizona homeowners can better negotiate wildlife in their yard and in their neighborhood. There's so many great things about the Rosie on the House Arizona Staycation. First off is if we pick your name and you go on a trip, you get your car from Sanderson Ford, we set up the accommodations, and you have a nice relaxing time in the great state 48. And yet another winner had a couple of days in Prescott, Arizona, and she's here to talk about it right now. It's Ronna Murray. And Ronna, the first thing you do is go to Sanderson Ford and pick up your ride for the weekend. What'd you get? We were lucky enough to get an escape. It was a beautiful escape, rode beautifully, 
was quiet, and everybody at Sanderson that we interacted with was so polite and so helpful. And did John fill up the tank for you? It was all filled up, yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So I'm going to assume you went up I-17, you turned on State Route 69, you went through Mayer, Dewey Humboldt, passed by Mortimer Farms, our favorite place, and you went into downtown Prescott and stayed at the historic Hacienda Inn. How was that? We did. It was beautiful. A site was beautiful. Uh, the weather was beautiful. The people at the Hacienda Inn were wonderful to us, treated us like royalty. And I couldn't say enough good things about that place. And did you get a chance to enjoy a nice meal at the Peacock Room by chance? We did. We had a lovely breakfast one morning, and we had an amazing dinner one evening. Oh, what did you have for dinner? I'm a foodie. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I'm a beef eater. Okay. And so I had filet mignon, and my husband does not eat beef, but he had wonderful salmon. Oh. And they both were delectable. I'll have both of those. That could be my surf and turf. You should. <laughs> the one thing I love about Prescott is the Courthouse Square. Did y'all at least take a stroll around there? We did it twice. One morning early when it was peaceful, and one evening when there was an event going on. It wasn't so peaceful, but it still was nonetheless enjoyable. It kind of feels like Mayberry. It does. It, it, you know, it's it kind does. Of, yeah, Mayberry in Arizona, minus Andy and Barney and whatnot. But, uh, and what else did you do on your staycation that uh, you'd like to talk about? Well, we took that wonderful Ford Escape, and we drove out to, let me get this right, Willow Lake and Watson Lake. Uh-huh. We had never been to either of those hotel, or those lakes, so we drove out there and drove all around, and it was just an amazing morning to do that. Watson Lake's gorgeous with the granite dells. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hope it to. It truly was. I hope to uh, paddleboard there one day. I'm still, I, I've never done it, but I was told if you're going to learn to do it, Watson Lake is the place to do it. I can see that. The water was like glass. Did you get outside of town for a little bit, do anything special? Um, well, we drove around Prescott because I'm a native of this state, but it's been 10 years since I've been up to Prescott. So that's why we were so excited that we could go to Prescott and kind of make ourselves known there again. Um, we did some. Much to my husband's chagrin, we did some window shopping and shopping in some of the really nice boutiques there. And then we drove and looked at some of the real estate. You know, you always get a little excited when you see a new little community. Oh, yes. And think, maybe this might be the place to retire. Mm-hmm. You're getting the bug. And your, yes. hus- and your husband's real patient, wasn't you, for shopping, huh? He was. He was very good. Okay. So if you would like to be like Rana and her husband, all you have to do is register to win the next staycation at rosieonthehouse.com, which is exactly what you did. Rana, can you confirm that? Yes, yes. And stay committed. I filled out those forms weekly because I really wanted to win a staycation. Patience is a virtue for a staycation. It is, indeed. From Rosie on the House, Sanderson Ford, and uh, the city of Prescott, too, while you're at Hey, thanks for joining us this morning, Rana. I'm glad you had a great time. My pleasure. Thank you, and thanks to Rosie. Just one of the things we do to try and become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Win a staycation. The only place you can do it, an Arizona staycation sponsored by Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the House. Go to rosieonthehouse.com and register. We draw a new winner every single month. And like Rhonda said, at the end of the month, we empty the basket. So don't hesitate to apply every single month.
because uh, if you've entered once three years ago, uh, you're not still in the pool. Uh, so get to rosieonthehouse.com. Take a look at the website. It's there for you, the Arizona homeowner, with information about virtually every question we've ever received here at Rosie on the House about your house, home, castle, or cabin. We received some, I've got some uh, follow-up to do here in that uh, I talked about a glue a couple weeks ago, and we've had several people uh, wonder, uh, could Rosie talk about that glue again? Folks, y'all, y'all need to know, you can go to rosieonthehouse.com and find our recorded archives in every single show we've done. You can just go and find that clip and record it. But let me, I'll answer this question. I found a new glue. I want to say it was about six or eight months ago that absolutely blew my mind. You apply this glue and let's, let me try and draw you a picture. Let's say we're putting up crown molding and we're at an outside corner of two fairly short pieces. And sometimes that outside joint right there can be very hard to get up, put up, take your pen nailer, anchor it while you're holding it, and not let it move. So we're on a job and some crown moldings getting put up, and I see the trim carpenter over at his miter box, and he's got this template set up, and he's cutting the, the uh, crown molding, and he puts this little bit of glue on one, out, one inside edge of the miter. And then he brings the two pieces together. And he counts to five. And then he walks up and puts it on the ceiling and only nails it in one place. I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. What are the chances that's going to hold up? He said, oh, come here, I'll show you. So he cut two more pieces, did the same thing, glued it counted to five and handed it to me and said, now tear that apart. I could not. After five seconds, I could not. And he says, let me show you something else. So he cut another piece and he put this glue on one side and then he had a spray can of accelerant on the other side. He said, now the second I put these two pieces together, I want you to tear them apart. The second he put the two pieces of glue to get the wood together. He handed it to me. I could not tear it apart. The second he handed it to me. So what's the glue? It's available at a lot of hardware stores now. Uh, I buy mine at Rockler Woodworker Supply. Uh, it's called CA glue. Now, just the glue itself will hold anything. And when you use the glue, as you bring the two pieces of wood together... You have just a few seconds to line it up exactly the way you want it. Hold it there, really, for just a few seconds, and then set it down gently. And in, in 15 to 20 seconds, you won't be able to break it apart. Now, if you need something to hold up faster than that, then you put the glue on one side, and on the other side, you spray this accelerant. But the thing you need to know about the accelerant is once that accelerant and that glue contact each other, you will not be able to adjust it. <laughs> when, they, when they make contact, baby, you're done. As well as you've lined it up, bringing the two pieces together, that's what you're going to be stuck with. So C-A-Glue. It's cyanoacrylate.
cyanoacrylate, cyanoacrylate. <laughs> Let's just call it CA. CA glue, you can walk into most hardware stores, any woodworker supply store, and ask for CA glue. It'll come liquid, and then there's a spray aerosol accelerant you can get if you want it. And do it, because uh, you can play tricks on all your muscle-bound neighbors and say, here, try this, tear that apart. Show me how you can tear that apart. It's it's unbelievable glue. Okay, so that's CA glue. It's interesting. Uh, most, uh, the best glues seem to be two-part components. You know, you're not, yeah. you know, I've had great success with a lot of different Gorilla glues, but, you know, like your epoxies are all two-part um, by themselves, nothing, you mix them together and, you know, they use, epoxy has structural rating to it. It does. And once you bring it together, you have to be able, even even some super glue, as you bring it together, you've got to be able to hold it in exactly that position for 30 seconds, a minute, a minute, two minutes, three minutes. With this stuff, no way, baby. You bring it together, five seconds. You can set it down gently, and in 10 or 15 seconds, it's immovable. It, you cannot break the bond. It's incredible. So CA glue, there's a little follow-up there. We had another follow-up uh, that somebody called and said, look, I've got a masonry home uh, constructed in the mid-60s. It's uh, basically a flat roof. Um, when the house was built, of course, it was a built-up uh, roof, asphalt roof, three layers, mop on. Um, that, of course, has been, it's expired. And now I'm probably going to go with foam. And they wanted to know, how do I foam the back of those parapets? Because the moisture comes through the wet parapets, and I don't want to cap the parapet with a piece of metal flashing. Well, how we do that, generally speaking, is if there's no cant strip or flashing, if it's raw masonry, we will foam all the way up to the back of the parapet, and then we will take the elastomeric coating over the roof, up the back side of the parapet, and right to the outside edge of your top of your parapet. So if I'm a bird flying across the top of your house and I look down, all I can see, I can't see the parapets, I can't see the parapet caps, all I can see is the elastomeric coating. But as your neighbor's walking along the front sidewalk, looking up at the front elevation of your house, they can't see that because you've stopped the elastomeric just on that upper edge of the outside edge of the parapet. That's going to stop the parapet from sourcing a water leak into your house. That masonry does absorb water and it will create a problem. Now, here's where things really get complicated. So we switched primarily from masonry homes to stick and stud homes in the 80s. And now what we do is we stand up two by fours or two by sixes, and we cover them in stucco. And when we get to the backside of the parapet, we put a drip edge there because we know the parapet stucco is going to absorb water, and we must let that water out. And then the roof 
goes back behind that piece of flashing. So whatever water weeps or leaks out of the wet parapet goes onto your roof. If, in fact, you now want a foam roof, you cannot foam over that drip edge without causing a problem. You are going to be allowing the water to soak into the parapet, get back behind the foam, and leak on inside the house. So those are very special situations. If you are foaming a wood frame home that was built in the 80s or the 90s, and it had a flat built-up roof, and now you want to foam it, just know there's going to be some ex- some additional stucco repair work necessary to do it and do it right. So that's the secret of parapets. A lot of outside wall leaks, people consider them to be windows, uh, doors, vigas, many, many of them are parapets. So there's a couple things I just needed to catch up on. People inquiring to us at rosieonthehouse.com. Welcome back to my house, Rosie on the house. Well, we're here for you, the Arizona homeowner. Just had a call from Miss Janet. We had a pretty bad connection, but she had a question for you, and I wanted you to answer for her. But I had to tell her what I what I knew of the subject. <laughs> but she wanted to know what you think about home warranties. She wanted to know who would you recommend. Generally speaking, don't recommend home warranties. There might be an exception here or there because, you know, you never say never. I haven't found one yet, uh, but I'm sure there's one out there that does exist. There are very um, – because when you end up in one of these home warranties, when you have a problem, they send out a service guy, and you can't control really who is who is coming out. So – which can lead to a lot of problems and a lot of them are incentivized and make commissions off of selling you uh, things you don't need. There are certain types of appliance insurances you can get that, you know, I, I don't, I never look for a reason to spend more on insurance. You got health insurance, you got car insurance, you got home insurance. Yeah. Everything seems insurance, but there's these very cheap, uh, home appliance breakage insurance that you can add to your policy so that let's say you know something your your air conditioning did go out uh well then you can through that insurance get the money to do the replacement but you get to control who physically comes out and that's does right. the work i think that's the key right there and and the other key we have a nice article on the website called um budgeting for home maintenance so our philosophy has kind of always been we'll make a little savings nest for when things go wrong, but take care of your stuff, you know, schedule the home maintenance and things. Um, but nowadays, I mean, you can go to, <clears throat> you know, office store and they'll try to sell you an insurance on a $2 stapler. I know. You know, <laughs> so, but you know, just think you don't need that. But I there like are the times. Of, <laughs> I like the stick of gum that I'm not making this up to. No it kidding. Was a, yeah. They wanted me insurance program on it. I mean, uh, uh, extra coverage on a stick. Serious? Of gum. Okay. Yeah. I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> yep, that was 15 years ago. They stopped doing that. Good. Well, 
that that's exactly true. That's why we don't recommend home warranties. And I get a lot of pushback on that. But we, I want you all to just think about it for a minute. These home warranty companies go out and they solicit commitments from service providers. And if I want, if I want the work that that warranty company is going to give me, I've got to commit to an introductory rate that very possibly is below my cost. So every lead, every prospect this warranty company issues me, I know I'm going out there at a loss. I'm highly motivated to find out why it can't be covered by the warranty, why I can charge you uh, what my real costs are, or an additional repair that you may not need or, e- or even suspect you need. We'd rather you develop great relationships with service providers you could lean on year after year after year. If you want to insure against unsus- un- uh, unexpected losses, go to your homeowner's insurance agent and get a rider on the expensive appliances. It will be much less money and it will leave you in control. I'm going to get seven phone calls Monday. <laughs> no. From home warranty. I'm going to get Okay, good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'll take messages for you. Yeah. And we'll be fair. If you know somebody you think, you know, if you want to prove it's different, give it a shot. Yeah. If they could come up with a home warranty company that would let you pick your own service providers, uh, that would change my attitude. Because uh, you may have the, the service providers cared for that particular piece of equipment for a couple of years. But then the warranty company is going to send somebody else out. So, okay, enough on that. As every one of you listening know, today's a pretty important anniversary of a historical event for the greatest country that's ever occupied planet Earth, America. And we'd like to encourage you as a part of our family, listeners to Rosie on the House, that if you haven't yet, if it skipped your mind, uh, or, or maybe, maybe your flag's a little tattered, uh, we'd like you to take the effort now, if you haven't already done it, uh, to go put Old Glory on display somewheres in your front yard. We're going to have a special guest on in the next hour, and we're going to take any question or text that you might have about repair or maintenance or projects at your house, home, castle, or cabin. But we're bringing on one of my favorite guests, Associate Professor of History from Grand Canyon University, Mr. Dr. David Dean. And Dr. David and I and Romy and Jennifer and Gary are all going to have a conversation not about the horror or the drama of 9-11. We're going to be talking about the unity of 9-12, what we saw 20 years ago tomorrow, and why that should plant a great amount of hope and cheer in your heart, because that's what we do here at Rose on the House. We plant hope and cheer. <laughs> 